welcome to A Higher Education, a podcast production of the Association for Christians in Student Development. ACSD is committed to assisting student affairs professionals to stay current and relevant in the quickly changing climate of higher education, and in particular, Christian higher education. Join us as we share the perspectives and stories of student development professionals who sit at the intersection of Christian faith and higher education. Hey everybody, welcome to our first official episode with a real guest this time. Uh, We are looking forward to the conversation we're about to have with Katie Garrett. Uh, Before we get into that, my name is Kara. I'm one of your co-hosts this season. Hey everyone, Mark Muha here. I'm the other co-host. And we are happy to be back this time with Katie Garrett, currently the Assistant Director of Programming in the Office of Student Life at Grand Valley State University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Katie is an important guest to both Mark and I, as she's been a coworker of ours in the past at Cornerstone. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Maybe some stories will come up. Uh, Katie, we are super excited to have you here. Mark, anything to add? Yeah, I would just say Katie is someone who I've really enjoyed working with. And so when you move from the Christian higher ed sphere into the non-Christian higher ed sphere, it's always fascinating the lessons you learn along the way. So I'm really excited to hear from her about that tonight. Well, welcome to the podcast, Katie. Obviously, we're excited to have you here. What are some things that our listeners should know about you right off the bat, do you think? Well, I'm super excited to be here and to get to talk with you both. And we mentioned before we started recording, it just feels like we're sitting in one of our offices back in the day when we worked in the same place. And so this just feels fun to get to talk to you both. Um, Such a fun season. Such a fun season. Um, Things to know about me, I am from Michigan, uh, which I would argue is one of the greatest places to be from. I grew up here in West Michigan. I went to college at Hope College, um, right on the lakeshore. Um, and then I moved away for a little bit, got to explore, moved to Colorado, lived out there, did camping ministry out there. And then I made my way to Wheaton College in the suburbs of Chicago to get my master's degree in Christian formation of ministry before I started back at Cornerstone with you guys. Uh, back when Kara was still a student, which feels kind of crazy. Um, and then I worked at Cornerstone for four and a half years before I just recently, one year ago, transitioned to start work at Grand Valley State University. It's awesome. Yeah, so, thanks for being here. Yeah, when you when you think about your current role, give us like we already shared your title, right? So you are the assistant director of programming in the Office of Student Life, but like give us the real quick explanation of what your title, what your role encompasses. Yeah, so I work in the Office of Student Life at Grand Valley. In our office, we are doing so many different things all at once. Um, Anything from civic engagement, helping students get involved with voting initiatives or service opportunities. Uh, We also have an assistant director that oversees our Greek community, so any of the fraternities or sororities. We have over 400 registered student organizations. We have someone dedicated entirely just to working um, and supporting our student orgs. And then there's me who works with programming. Um, And specifically in my role, um, it's kind of a dual function of supporting and advising the Campus Activities Board. So a group of student leaders who help to uh, put on large-scale and small-scale events 
for the campus community, um, but then also more broadly speaking, um, doing programming initiatives for the university. So lots and lots of event planning is the best way to describe it. You sound busy. Quite busy. <laughs> Depends on, I only, I would, yes, there's always something happening. Uh, there's, I would say there's a few large scale events throughout the year that keep me really on my toes. But yeah, we have, I mean, there's National Popcorn Day the other day and I didn't even know my students were planning it. So we always have things going on. That's uh, incredible. Yeah. Well, so many uh, podcasts will start out with like heavy questions and they jump right into it. We like to mix it up here. So cool. we want to start with some speed round questions uh, oh, and good. help you loosen up a little bit, get to know you a little bit. So we don't want you to overthink it. Just go with your instinct and you don't get to elaborate a whole lot. Maybe one okay. sentence if you feel like the listeners need it, but we want to hear what's your gut instinct. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Extrovert. Great. What's your favorite part of the country to visit? Colorado. Mm. Okay. Question three. You already answered it, but we want to hear it specifically again. Where did you do your undergrad studies and what did you study? I went to Hope College in Holland, Michigan, and I got a degree in social work and a double minor in ministry in Spanish. The next question, what is the academic degree that you are most proud of or identify with the most? That would for sure be my master's degree. Um, I really loved my experience at Wheaton College specifically and loved my degree experience in Christian formation and ministry. That's great. What was your first role in student development kind of world? Ooh, the first one I got paid for, uh, because I would argue undergraduate leadership opportunities probably count, but I'll skip this. Um, probably my grad resident assistant position at Wheaton College. So I did a two-year uh, GRA position uh, working in part residence life and then part working in the chaplain's office at Wheaton College, kind of supporting the small group ministry there. It's great. So this, I swear, this is a question we ask everyone, but who is the best boss you've ever had? <laughs> I say that having been your boss. <laughs> Mark was such a great boss. I also have worked for other great bosses. Uh, Chip Huber, shout out, was one of the best mm. bosses I've ever had and worked for. I also worked for um, a guy named Doug Kirchner in Colorado that was also probably one of the best bosses. So lot, I'm blessed to have many good bosses. That's great. Yeah. I'll, Venmo, I'll Venmo you later. <laughs> uh, what is the best or who is the best coworker you've ever had? And if you don't want to name names, at least give us yeah. uh, like a characteristic. I... I feel super lucky to have some rem remarkable coworkers over the years. I I feel like I don't, I mean, I'm sure I've had bad coworkers, but like what comes to mind is like a long list of really, really good coworkers. Mm. Um, when I worked, I will say this, when I first started working at Cornerstone, that team of resident directors um, and the residence life staff was just magic. I don't know. There was just something really, really special. It was um, those first couple of years I was at Cornerstone, that group of people. That's great. I was gonna yeah. say you could you could cover a lot of coworkers by saying, Oh, that one that I went on a road trip with. <laughs> <laughs> the one I went on a road trip with, the one I uh, went to Colorado with, uh, the one I don't know, there's just so many. That's great. Well, uh, a couple more questions. Regardless of where you live currently, what is your city? So we're thinking the place that you have the most identity or pride or association with. Other than my current city? Mm -hmm. It could be your current city, but oh. regardless of where you live. Um, 
I feel like there are three cities that I would say claim pieces of my heart. Grand Rapids being one of them. That's a significant place. Chicago being another one. Um, that place was really special to me. And the other being teeny tiny town in Colorado called West Cliff. Uh, those three places I think are where I have grown and developed as a person the most. I love that. Mm-hmm. All right. Two more. What is your favorite annual holiday? Christmas. No hesitation. on that. No one. hesitation. And then finally, what feelings do you have about being on a podcast? I'm excited. I mean, like I said, I just feel like we're sitting in our office chatting. This is like what we would do. I feel like Um, Mark had a great couch in his office and we would just find ourselves sitting on there and talking about serious things, non-serious things and everything in between. So I loved it. Yeah, those are good days. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for thanks for the speed round. You made it through. Yeah. Nice work. Thank you. (laughs) All right, so we'll transition into the less speedy round where you get to just uh, ponder some questions. Um, I want the listeners to know, especially that Katie is someone that I go to for advice in personal life and professional life. Um, So hopefully I'm not setting the bar too high for you, but Katie always has some fantastic words of wisdom to offer. So I'm glad that you're our first guest and get to kind of launch some of these questions for us. So jumping right in, um, regardless of what drew you to the field of student development in the first place, what's one of your earliest memories of a time in a student development type role where you really felt like your deep gladness met the world's deep hunger? I think for me, when I first started at Wheaton, um, it was kind of this combination of being in a classroom setting, learning the things that I didn't know that I had always wanted to learn, but found myself hungrily taking notes in the classroom, thinking about them, having conversations, and then immediately applying it to the work that I was doing uh, while I was at Wheaton. I loved the work of uh, working with small groups at Wheaton. Uh, Wheaton has a really great model for small groups. So students were Uh, signing up for them. And there was a big desire and need for them. And my role specifically worked with um, female students who were leading leaders of small groups. And so I had maybe 25 women that I met with, probably three small groups a week. And I loved that season. Um, It felt very much not like work um, to be able to bring people into my apartment and just to get to talk about Jesus, talk about the Bible and talk about our lives with one another to see them grow in relationship with each other. And now years later to have seen some of these different women stand up at each other's weddings over the years to know that those relationships are super significant. Um, that just felt like magic to me to be kind of a part of that environment. And then the residential life side of things, I loved it to be able to be in a context where, I mean, at Wheaton predominantly, I would say predominantly, but a big part of my job there was just to host opportunities for students to come and hang out in my apartment, which I had no idea there was jobs that I could just get paid to host people and make food for them. And they would come over and hang out. But those first couple of years I was at Wheaton, I remember some of those, we called them in nights um when we would just hang out in our apartments but um there's there's times and opportunities where i would see students kind of from all different um 
kind of all different groups of people kind of show up in my apartment. And maybe not always, but every once in a while, there's these moments where I would watch different groups of people connect in really special ways. And I was like, this is why we do what we do, is that this person would not have probably maybe naturally organically met with this person, but you're sitting in my apartment and you're talking about something and you're finding some sense of commonality and camaraderie with one another. Um, And it just felt like so much fun. Um, I had no idea that this kind of job existed and that you could get paid to do it. Um, And it just felt so life-giving, but then also um, just felt so natural, I think, to do it. Um, And then to also like see me growing at the same time. Um, I think especially um, those first couple of years at Wheaton, I remember having bosses and supervisors who were so much more than just a boss or a supervisor, but really cared about my own growth and development um, and took so much intentional time to ask me questions and really get to know me and support me. And I remember those first couple of years, I felt like um, like a little baby chicken, baby or duck or something. I don't know if that makes any kind of sense, but I was like getting my professional feet under me, if that makes sense. And I remember having one specific boss, my first couple of years at Wheaton, who was a phenomenal supervisor, but he and I oftentimes saw things very differently or approached things very differently. Um, and I remember being in context and situations where I could, I was learning how to say, Hey, I see where you're coming from, but I think I disagree. And he would listen to me and respect my opinion um, and not like downplay whatever I was saying. So it was this, like, like I said, this combination of what I was learning in the classroom, watching and getting to play it out and be an active participant in the work, whether it was residence life or small groups, but then also um, kind of taking my first professional steps. Um, but I don't know, all of that happening kind of simultaneously just felt really special. That's awesome. I think, I mean, I always think of the word incubator. So I think mm-hmm. a metaphor of a chick works well, right? Mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it is such like an incubation period, some of those early roles where you get to, you get to test out your gifts, you get to test out how the Lord has like called you into this work. And also you get to learn and recognize that there's this whole world and this whole industry to what we do that you don't know yet you've seen glimpses of and you've maybe received a lot of it but now you're on the opposite side and that's just such a unique experience so love to hear that yeah all right our next question can you recall one of the most significant challenges uh that you faced in your career and what helped you persevere from it uh through it and what did you take away from it so a little bit of the flip side you know i heard you talk a lot about the joys of that early Mm -hmm. season but maybe sometimes there's some challenges that our listeners are saying, hey, I'd love to have those coffee seasons that feel like everything is magic. And that's just not me right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the examples that come to mind, I think anyone who has done any kind of student development work, whether it's residence life or programming or small group or, or campus ministry, immediately maybe what comes to mind are students who were incredibly challenging at times to work with, whether it's because they were struggling so deeply and then to step into their struggle with them and engage in that takes so much energy, effort. It's good work, but it's hard work. So like that is maybe one of the first things that come to mind. However, um, I think for me and maybe for others who are in student development, um, that can be kind of, um, that could be really satisfying in a different kind of way because it feels 
uh, like I said, it's really good work to engage in other people's suffering. Um, it feels important. Um, it feels right. It feels necessary to do. Um, so maybe the best answer to that question is, I think some of the most challenging experiences I've had um, in student development um, is when you are part of organizational structures um, at an institution where you find yourself um, working in situations where leaders of the university are making decisions that you just don't align with mm. anymore or, or agree with and where there's no more space for you to um, push back or lean into those hard conversations. Mm. And so you're finding it challenging maybe to figure out how do you care well for students and balance their concern and their needs. And then also feeling like you're hitting just brick walls um, mm. with the leadership of the university. Um, I would a thousand percent take working with really difficult students a million times over than going through that kind of situation. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. I, I agree with that. Uh, okay. The next question has, it's kind of a two-parter. Um, it has a past orientation and then a future orientation. So the first part is how have you seen the field of student development change over the course of your career? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it has and it hasn't, right? Like the work that we are doing feels similar. It has similar nuances. The rhythms feel similar. Um, I think maybe the ways that I see change the most is our students that we are directly working with. They, I feel like, have changed so much over the last... I mean, I started grad school in twenty. 15, well, I started in 2014, started working as a GRA in 2015. So it hasn't been terribly long since I started in this field. Um, but I feel like since I have started, I have noticed such a change in students. Um, and I think they're so much more risk averse now than they used to be. Um, I think they're so much more financially minded now than they used to be, or financially mindful, maybe. Um, I think they're much less willing or looking for opportunities to get involved. Um, I think they are either hoping it happens to them or they don't want to be involved, uh, no. which is just an interesting uh, change. I think students, um, and I and I don't want this to come off negative, but and I, I haven't totally figured out where this is coming from yet. So maybe that's why it's kind of the nuance. I notice with students now, um, there is so much more um, of a need for me to be more hands-on with instructions with students, um, that giving kind of them autonomy or responsibility sometimes feels too scary for this group of students, that they want more instruction, they want more guidance. Um, and I don't want that to seem necessarily negative. It's just a change I've noticed. Mm. Um, so I think, therefore, our work has to adapt to meet the needs of students differently. Um, they're so much more interested in talking about mental health, but I think actually pursuing mental wellness is lost on them. Um, because I think obviously, I mean, not that any of us gets it right all the time, but that includes good sleep patterns, how we're treating our bodies, um, the relationships that we have with others. Um, and I don't, yeah. So it's just interesting that this, this generation of students, um, I also feel like, and I think this, uh, I don't know if this is maybe new, but I also feel like in student development and with student affairs professionals, there's an increase 
in asking for more to be done with less people yeah. um, because I think the needs have changed or maybe the needs, I don't know if they've necessarily, I don't even know if we can say they've necessarily increased, but the needs of students have changed. So we're constantly trying to come up with new ideas, new mm-hmm. programs, new initiatives to navigate um, life with our students, uh, but we're not increasing staffing. And so staff are oftentimes doing more um now, I think I noticed. So maybe that some of those are the ch- things I've seen change in the last several years. Yeah, I, I resonate with a lot of that, Katie. Um, and when you mention students needing like more structure in how we often like help them grow or help them go through something, I think I've seen a lot of that even in the classroom. Just the, the I think to their credit, there's a fear of failure that they're trying to avoid, but that often translates into a unique aspect of them wanting perfect info when there isn't perfect info to be had about tell me step a b and c that will ultimately lead to outcome x y and z Mm -hmm. and that's just a challenge to try to help them see that there's so much so many different paths they could take to to getting to the outcome that would be helpful for them yeah yep yeah i definitely agree with your whole list even in my short four-year career i've I've seen those changes in students Mm -hmm. So in the second part of this question, and you can answer it with that first part in mind, or you can take a completely different direction. Uh, But how do you see the world of student development changing in the future? Like what predictions do you have? And how can student development professionals be prepared for that reality? Yeah, that's a really great question. I do think um, in terms of staffing, like I said, I feel like staff are being asked to do more. I think whether um it happens to us or we are more proactive in this there's going to need to be a change in the future to either provide more staffing or i i almost say to say it's lower expectations of what staff are able to do mm-hmm. not in a way of like yeah staff are not as capable as they used to be but i think just recognizing that Um, our expectations that staff can manage all the evolving needs of students is just a little unrealistic. Um, I think that is something I think we will see or will need to see maybe a change in the future is how we approach staffing. Um, I also, I mean, this whole, this generation of students just feels so different, especially when I think about faith development and spiritual formation. Um, They are less interested in knowing more about the Bible, if that makes sense. It's not so much head knowledge that I think they're so interested in anymore, um, but it's more, the, they're asking the question of like, why Why is this important to me? Mm-hmm. And like, also, how are you living in your life that proves to me that this is valid? valid? Um, so I don't necessarily know what that means exactly for like the field of student development, um, but I think, it means we're going to have to have a lot harder conversations. If we believe the Bible is what the Bible is, then we believe that the Bible can go to like those hard places and engage in those really difficult conversations. Um, this group of students, this generation of students is so much more interested, probably than my generation of students, in advocacy and social justice mm-hmm. concerns. And so if we're going to meet them in that sphere, especially as believers and as Christians, we better be able and willing um, to have hard conversations, talk about how the Bible 
um, can engage with marginalized groups of people, how the Bible can be an instrument for engaging in conversations about um, racism, systemic poverty issues, the LGBTQ community, and not stay away from, I think, some of those mm-hmm. conversations. Um, I don't know. There's so much. I think we're going to have to like step our game up a little bit. Um, in meeting students where they are at, uh, which I I think we have the ability to do. Uh, I think we just got to be a little bit better at it, if that makes sense. And I I think two things that you just talked about there are linked, that when you have student development professionals who often end up being, one of my favorite quotes from my dissertation that I read was, the dumping ground of all things unpleasant for college campuses uh, that the faculty and the administration don't know what to do or don't want to do with. And then also are the de- the departments and the offices and the personnel who are guiding students mm-hmm. through those exact questions that you're talking about, how the gospel speaks to these issues. Those two things become really challenging when then you put a giant great resignation over the top of it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get staff who want to continue working in these settings and it just becomes this giant challenge. So I absolutely resonate with what you're saying there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think one final thought I just had, and I'm totally stealing this from, and I don't even know who um, I was reading in the Wheaton magazine of all places. What a good (laughs) Um, alum. A Wheaton alum. I got my, what is it? The, the quarterly magazine that comes out anyway. Um, Just recently they talked about, um, the evolving nature, I think, of the future of higher education. Um, and I loved it. First of all, it highlighted some of my former professors. And so I was right there with them, nodding my head as I was reading the article, thinking that college, if we believe that college is just about the uh, sharing or the learning of information, then yes, we will continue to see drop in enrollment. Uh, students are not going to attend colleges just to learn more. Right. Um, but if we believe that college is about whole person formation and development, then we have a compelling narrative to yeah. why college still matters. Um, and so I think student development at its best can be the leading voice in that conversation to help bridge together what's happening in the academic world um, to the formational piece in that. So hopefully that's kind of our next step. I love it. I love it. Uh, So what advice would current you give to the version of yourself who's just starting out in your career? Mm -hmm. I think I would say um, with all, with all kindness and empathy I could give to my younger version um, uh, in starting out with student development is that it is not as glamorous as it first looks. (laughs) Um, It's not just coffee and (laughs) uh, pizza nights with students and Having like those heart to hearts where they like open mm. up and share about their lives and you're just, yes, all of that. That still happens and that is still special when it does happen. Yeah. And also it is really, really hard. Um, and you will see a lot of your friends and colleagues step away from higher education at some point because of how hard it is. Mm. And that's okay. I think that there is goodness and that there um, is obviously fruit in life in that as well. I don't, there's no shame in that. Um, but I think if 
if you want to do this work for the long haul, I think there you have to take the rose colored lenses off at some point and recognize like there's something really, really good and worthy about this work. And there's something really grueling about this work. Um, and so kind of what does it look like? I mean, I'm not the Kara Martin of the world who's run ma- uh, marathons and 50 mile races and stuff like that. But there's, I feel like a point in every long run where it hits you, like you still got a long way to go. And like, you kind of have to like tap into that mentality of like, we're like done with the first few miles that felt really fun. And like, we're now stepping into the miles where like, you have to like choose to work at it to like get to the finish line. And I feel like I'm entering that season of my career. Mm. Yeah. Where adrenaline maybe isn't fueling everything anymore. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's good. People keep giving me too much credit. I, I've not run a step past 26.2, but the metaphor stands and I really appreciate it. <laughs> I know there's a there's a there's an ultra out there that's happening sooner rather than later. There might be yeah. something going on. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness. Katie, what resource would you recommend that every student development professional engage with? I I know this is a it's not a silly answer, but this is maybe not the answer that you're looking for. But my answer is friends. Mm. You need friends to do this work really, really well. There are obviously books. There is obviously, I would say to be a really good student development practitioner, learn a lot about spiritual formation. I think, I mean, I mean, I'm playing my cards a little bit. Obviously that's my passion. Um, but I feel like that is like the core work of what we are doing. Um, but all that to say, if you want to do this work really well, you need to have good friends. And mm-hmm. um, I have found myself at my best when I have good community around me. And it doesn't have to look like just coworkers. Uh, but the longer I'm in this work, the more it really matters to me, like who my church friends are. If I'm involved in some kind of small group, who are the people speaking into my life? Um, I cannot um, underplay how critical it is to have friends that both sharpen you and also you could just have a whole lot of fun with i love that and also i was prepared for you to say the wheaton journal again. <laughs> <laughs> i would also recommend that but that's just because i'm biased <laughs> that's great uh so as we wind down on our conversation here uh i'd love to hear you reflect what's a moment in your career where you really got to see the lord work in a special way that you're just going to never forget Yes, both of you are going to giggle when I share this answer. Um, My first year at Cornerstone, I was going through my first year of hiring RAs. Um, So when I came in and started, there was already a group of RAs that had been selected. So I got to work with that group of wonderful, crazy students my first year at Cornerstone. And then my first year, then I got to be a part of the RA hiring process, which I still believe we had a really wonderful RA hiring process. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that to say, got through um, selecting and sending out offers to my first group of RA women and ended up needing to hire an additional RA and kind of feeling like I had to start at ground zero, didn't know who I was going to pick, felt like we had gone through the process already. Um, and there was this student uh, her name is Emily Stump, who went to Cornerstone and <laughs> was one of those students. She didn't even live in my building um, her first semester, but she was in my building so much, I thought she did. <laughs> and she also, 
claimed one of the lounge spaces as her. Anyway, we moved her into my building halfway through the year because of how often she was there. And she had reached out um, as, as a lot of students do to just say, hey, can I get coffee with you? And so I was getting coffee with her that day. And this is just one of those moments I have no way to describe it other than the Lord was I was, I woke up that morning and one of my very first thoughts, like unprompted, I was not even thinking about the RA stuff was why not Emily as an RA. And so when I met with her that afternoon, we talked and I don't honestly remember what we talked about, but at the end of the conversation, I said, Hey, have you ever thought about being an RA? Uh, and she was like, no, because uh, she ended up uh, applying and we hired her and she did a, an amazing job. One of the best RAs I've ever seen, which just was one of the coolest moments in my life where it just felt so clearly led and ordained by the Lord that like mm. he put her in that position for such a clear purpose and reason. And she made such a difference in so many students' lives as an RA at Cornerstone. So that's probably one of the most special memories I have. Let the record show it only took two episodes for East Stump to get a shout out. <laughs> We all knew it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Katie, our last structured question for you is what word of encouragement do you have for the listeners who do this work of student development each day? Um, I would say something I'm learning in my season of life currently is that um, having boundaries, protecting your time, sabbathing, things that I regularly, regularly think that student development people struggle the most with, I would say. Um, doesn't just look like saying no or stepping away from things that you don't want to do, but it also means saying no and stepping away from things that you do want to do. So I'm learning how to um, figure out that new balance in my life um, because time is increasingly more important to me as a value. Um, so that is something like Sabbath is not, yeah, like I said, just not just saying no to the things you don't want to do but saying the things you also want to do in your work, because as we know, there's always more work to be doing. Um, like I said earlier, find yourself friends. Um, that can't be understated. If you're going to do this work for the long haul, you need people that you can talk about it with. That's why I like going to conferences like ACSD, I think are so valuable and important uh, because you not just connect with current coworkers and colleagues, but you also connect with previous ones and it's just such a special, unique environment of connecting with people who are doing similar work as you. Um, and I am also biased in this because like I said, I'm, I'm uh, an extrovert. I love to have fun, but I cannot understate how important it is to like find outlets for fun in your life. Uh, this work is exhausting and tiresome and can be really hard to do day in and day out. Um, and if you do not provide yourself outlets for fun um, in your personal life and in your professional life too, that can look like doing fun things with students. Um, I think your soul just kind of slowly leaks out of you. So find ways to care for your soul um, in this work by having lots of fun with your friends. Love that. Yeah, it's so, so good to hear from you, Katie, to get uh, a little bit of an insight that both Kara and I have benefited from for years uh, to be able to share that with the listeners. Like, we're just grateful that you uh, live authentically, that you do this work. You're the kind of person that we love to collaborate with. So glad to have you on the podcast today. Uh, and we are so grateful that uh, we get to continue to um, collaborate with you, hopefully in the future at other ACSD conferences, maybe in Anderson. Uh, when we're all there this summer. 
I don't know. We'll see if you're able to make it, right? Yeah, I would love to if I can. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. This podcast has been a production of the Association for Christians in Student Development. To learn more about ACSD, please visit acsd.org. To contact us, please email scholarship at acsd.org. Thank you.